0: Okay. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host Darren Campbell, and joining me, as usual on Mondays, uh, Jason Cameron. Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm I'm
1: good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm enjoying the day. It's nice. Somewhat. It's not raining, so it's good. It's good.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're not working. Uh, as I reached out to you over the weekend, I wasn't sure if you were going to be uh indisposed till this evening but I'm glad we could do it uh, through the middle of the day here and then uh yeah get out and enjoy the sunshine it's been uh, yeah the crazy weather the last four or five days just we get some sun periods and then all of a sudden it's cloudy and then sun and cloudy you never know what you're gonna get so yeah we're uh hopefully we get out of this part of it and we just get some solid sunshine pretty soon here
1: yeah, it's been a crapshoot lately for the weather, but uh, I, I agree with you. I hope that going forward, we're going to get more into our summer period, and more hot weather, because I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> no
0: so, uh, I had a crazy yesterday. It was very bizarre. So, uh, woke up early, decided to watch a lot of sports, and then thought, okay, I better take advantage of this afternoon. Uh, go um, drive somewhere, go somewhere fun, Mother's Day, sort of celebrate a little bit of that. And uh, found out that I was actually locked into Richmond. I wasn't able to leave Richmond at all. They blocked off all the bridges. They blocked off the tunnel. They wouldn't allow anybody in or out of Richmond. It was a prison for hours and hours and hours yesterday. So we had to change our plans. And uh, we decided to go to the Britannia Brewing Company, which uh, you're familiar with, and um, we were pretty shocked at the news that we weren't able to leave Richmond. It had become completely locked down. Did you hear any of the details of that? Nah. <laughs> so, so it was Alcatraz, and you couldn't
1: escape. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Why did they do that? What was going on? What, what happened in Michigan? Well,
0: unfortunately, uh, many cities in North America deal with this problem. Uh, we've had gang violence like crazy uh, over the past uh, little while. Um, you grew up in Abbotsford, and uh, they've had a lot of gang violence over the last decade or two. Um, gang violence has reared its ugly head quite a bit here in the Lower Mainland over the past few weeks. And there was a shooting at YVR airport and the suspects uh, started driving away and the police wanted to cordon off the whole of Richmond to try to keep them there and try to arrest them and uh, stop them from getting away. So, um, yeah, a young man was killed uh, at the airport. um, And uh, yeah, I don't think they caught the suspects uh, as of yet. Uh, They found... uh, a burned out vehicle in Surrey uh, a few hours later and um, yeah it's been crazy here I don't uh, I don't know what the police uh, are going to be able to do with it but um, it was pretty shocking to be affected by it so much uh, I know people that have been affected by it by just being in that general area uh, it felt very weird to to know that uh, this was going on you know just down the street from where we were and uh, to actually be in a lockdown zone because of it, uh, it felt very strange. That's like Wow. I, I,
1: I'm I going to be honest. I thought you were going to go with it had to do with something to do with COVID. Because I was just like, okay, so it's a COVID thing. I had no idea. I'm going to say this. I think that's got to be a first for the, the province of BC where they lock down a city. A city to find murderers. I never heard of that before, and unfortunately, their plan didn't work because they probably acted a little bit too slow when it happened. It can, it's understandable, you know. But at the same time, wow, a city!
0: <laughs> wow, man. I well, know, hopefully, yeah. they get the guys. We were, we were really shocked. We kept uh, checking the news feeds, listened to the radio. We got some calls from people, made some calls to people that we knew we were in the area and um yeah to try to f- see if they could give us more details uh we were hoping you know we could find out exactly where it was so we could be as far away from it as possible yeah. um you know but uh, you're still sort of stuck on a uh, lulu island you're you're there they you know they said don't attempt to go to any bridges any tunnels we'll just turn you back so um very uh eerie weird feeling uh i saw the movie escape from new york one of my favorite movies of all time uh they also had a sequel escape from la I never thought i would be in a reality situation that um like that occurred uh where they were keeping the prisoners in and and letting nobody enter out it was really eerie
1: yeah that's super eerie and i i'm gonna be honest since i've been in my little bubble of just me i have not seen seen any real news as of late so i had no idea that gang violence hadn't been exploding out of control again as it has in the past it's 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 disconcerting but hopefully the police will get who's involved and will uh, bring them to justice and hopefully as they're doing this it won't interfere with our normal civilian lives so to speak that'd be great
0: Uh, there was a shooting at Cardero's, um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, then there was a shooting the next day, a shooting on Saturday, shooting on Sunday. Uh, my, my, uh, my cousin and his family live in Langley. Uh, they go to the Langley event center a lot for, uh, he goes there for, to the gym. They go there for hockey, a lot of activities and stuff. There was a shooting there one morning. Uh, He said a friend of his just left the gym after his workout and boom witnessed a guy getting gunned down right in front of the Langley event center early morning. Uh, It's just been touching way too close to home for too many of us. And, you know, uh, we know the gang lifestyle is dangerous and and brutal, but when it comes close to, you know, regular civilians just living their normal life, it's, it's becomes uh, super alarming and, you know, something that the police really need to crack down on. So, you know, we don't have to be worried about just going about our normal day.
1: Yeah. Uh, and also too, I'm sure that they, they they did this to show the strong hand that the police have to all of those involved, because this sounds like, this is this is a gang war. All right. And so what they don't want to see is it spiral completely out of control. And now you have numerous innocents being caught in the crossfire. That's not that's not what they want to see. So they're going to try to crush this, I imagine, as soon as they can, with an extreme heavy hand. I think yeah. they're going to be definitely coming after these guys because if you you just said it right there, four days of killing in a week or something like that or whatever it is, that's ridiculous. You can't you can't have that. You can't have that. Yeah.
0: On to some uh, different news. Um, so. Usually when I hear news about steroids, I, you know, feel a little bit angry. I feel about, uh, you know, a little bit mad about these cheaters, these guys that are, you know, using performance enhancing drugs to, uh, you know, be better than their competition. And it gets me a little mad. Uh, This is probably the first steroid story where I actually laughed and had quite the chuckle. Uh, But uh, in the Kentucky Derby last week, uh, Medina Spirit uh, won the Kentucky Derby, and then, oh, found out that uh, he used performance-enhancing drugs, and he's uh, feeling a lot of shame today. Uh, all the horses are um, not happy with him; they're uh, really angry that uh, he had to, you know, get involved in drugs, and uh, yeah, now he's a cheater. Um, they have uh, suspended. Uh, his win, uh they've suspended his trainer. Uh huge controversy in the sporting world. And uh, yeah, um I think this horse should be pretty ashamed of himself. So. Yeah.
1: So the other horses were looking at him going, notice uh what, what's his, what's the guy, What's the horse's name? Medina? Medina Spirit. So do you notice Medina Spirit looking literally swollen lately? Looking a lot bigger. What's he <laughs> doing? What's he what's he trading? How, how's he trading lately? <laughs> Oh, man, they're just pumping them full of steroids. It's amazing. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. I heard a hilarious statement was, uh, why the long face, Medina? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, nice. the, his trainer, Bob Baffert, set a record for the most Kentucky Derby wins uh, ever with seven. Uh, he released, uh, or he met with the media and had a bit of a statement and uh, the, the funny part of it was he just said, you know, I really feel sorry for this horse. I just, I feel just <laughs> sorry for him. Just so poor guy, poor guy. <laughs> it just made me laugh. Yeah. Like the horse doesn't even care. Doesn't even know. Will not change his life one bit because of this. Uh, it's up to you and all your handlers don't even include the horse in this this guy's an innocent bystander whatever <laughs> you guys had going on
1: yeah yeah no that's 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 pretty clear to me i don't think the horse had a choice here i
0: think you guys had a choice in what you did no. to the, he's not the horse uh he's not looking around and uh you know making sure when he's injecting himself that nobody's <laughs> noticing Yeah, uh, this had nothing to do with this this horse and oh man it's just it made me laugh. There was some, you know, lots of stories about it. Uh, a lot of people were really worried about losing their money that they won for putting, putting the bet on him and him winning. But uh, there was a statement released that uh, they will go with the official results and the people that won will get to keep their money. The uh, second place winner, all these people will be up in arms. Hey, my guy should win now. Uh, There's there's the thought that lawyers will get together and put a class action lawsuit and try to recoup money for these people that people think legitimately should be taking that uh, prize for betting on the winning horse.
1: That is a quagmire that I wouldn't want to have to sift through. That would be super tough to figure out, like, okay, so who's in the right and who's in the wrong? Because obviously the gamblers are in the wrong at all right so you just have to try to figure that out and clean that up sounds to me that they're going to have to put out a lot more money than they were (laughs) intending.
0: yeah they were they were calling him a small horse they were calling him a little guy uh even baffert was saying that during the the press conference after the victory oh this little horse is so much hard and he was (laughs) just never die attitude and oh man i just had this feeling he was purchased for thousand dollars in the first place. Uh, somebody resold him for thirty-five thousand. He's won uh, four, five million dollars now in his career, and everybody compared him to said him that he was a small guy. So uh, maybe they decided, yeah, they better, you know, give him some drugs to pump him up and uh, give him the bulk that he needs to uh, win this race. Well,
1: yeah, they, oh, well, they did that. They, they, they most certainly accomplished that feat. By creating this small horse, small jacked horse, I guess.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, we're talking about uh, sprinters. Uh, there, these uh, these horses. Uh, there was a a very famous sprint that happened this weekend with an NFL player that you and I are very familiar with. Yeah. DK Metcalf uh, competed in the um, U.S. trials to make the Olympic team in the 100-meter dash. He uh, he had become quite synonymous and famous for his running ability last year, and I'm going to play a clip that just seemed to suddenly make people aware of how fast this guy is, and then I'll show you his race, uh, the 100-meter race. Uh, did you Did you see the 100-meter race? I saw a clip of it. But okay. I didn't see I didn't
1: see where he finished though. Okay, well I, we can
0: we can play it for you right after okay. this. Okay, right. let's let's check this out.
1: <clears throat>
0: okay, uh, we remember this last year, Seattle Arizona game. Uh, Seattle's marching. They got the ball down on the three yard line, about to score. Russell Wilson takes the He's snap. connected on with six different receivers, and this time he What's lost it? one, it's picked off at the goal line. That's- okay, so we see Buda Baker intercept the ball at the goal line, and number 14, D.K. Metcalf, is about 10 to 12 yards behind him as he gets the ball, and watch this speed. Buda Baker,
1: Buda Baker out I'm in the front. The Metcalf. Can Metcalf track him down? Can he chase him down? To save a touchdown, but
0: what a play by Baker intended for Carson. And He's he did save a the touchdown the there. Arizona did Baker's not score tonight on a defensive play. There he is. Let's Look see at what happens. They're all right there. there. They come snap to the line of scrimmage to try and get it off quickly so that on the defensive side Buda Baker did not nobody you the can't see anybody here by DK he he down the field look at the Baker size difference. he's going to walk into the end zone and Metcalf just refused to let it go this it was unbelievable how much ground he made up that had to be 10 yards on a very fast Buda Baker and he just tracked it down oh, oh, oh. inspired <laughs> pretty amazing pretty amazing uh, you and I commented on it, and we were uh, yeah, both blown away. It was one of the plays of the year last year. Shocking, uh, the size of him being able to come up and catch Buda Baker, who was just flying down that sideline. Buda Baker even said, I couldn't even believe it. I looked up on the big screen, and I see this 14 coming, and, and he caught me. It was a shock. And uh, you remember that play very well, don't you?
1: Yes, yes, I do, because it it didn't make any logical sense on on his speed, his size and his speed. You're talking about a uh, like, like a quarterback smaller than you. So should be faster than you. And he's in the NFL. So, yeah, he's super fast. And that dude tracked him down. He didn't he actually didn't even have a chance of getting into the end zone. That was gone as soon as DK Metcalf took off after him. gone opportunity gone.
0: He stopped the touchdown there. And, uh, yeah, the lore of him just started growing and growing and growing. And they said, you know, maybe, uh, you know, you should try to compete hundred meters, uh, you know, see how you can compete against some of the top guys in the country. And, um, yeah, so he decided he was going to train. He's been training, I guess, for three months and, The size difference of him is just shocking. Uh, I had a list of uh, weights and heights of everybody, but he basically outweighed everybody by 40 to 50 to even some of them like 55 pounds and uh, was even like, I think about two to three inches taller than all of them. Uh, You can see the difference when they line up on the blocks here. Um, This is how he did. Ah, there he is. You can see him there, right in the foreground. He's in lane two. When you watch, he gets a great start. The NFL against sprinting elite in track and field here. Two at the right side of our screen there. Look at the size difference in him and them. <laughs> staying but in the middle of the track Cravon so the winning uh, time was 10.12 and DK came in at 10.37 uh, they have a list of 10.11 there Craven Gillespie uh, DK is just he doesn't have that typical sprinter's body and as I said he's been only training three months for it but Uh, are you impressed with that performance there, Jason?
1: 10.37, 10.37. And he's literally 40 to 50 pounds heavier than everybody else. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And he's only been training seriously training for three months.
0: That's wow. That's scary,
1: man. That's cool to
0: see. And yeah. So Yeah, just, you know, he is just such an amazing athlete to be able to even, you know, be in the same ballpark. He didn't look like ridiculous. You know, if you and I were on that track, you wouldn't even be able to see us. We're so far back, you know, as the rest of the runners. He he didn't look totally out of place. He he looked like he was competing. He didn't finish completely last in the whole thing. He finished 15th out of 18 runners in the two heats. Um, But yeah, I'm impressed he has the talent to be able to ev- evade tacklers, catch the ball, score these touchdowns and at that c- world class speed uh, yeah it was pretty amazing I, uh, I i was very impressed with the performance
1: no i'm, I'm super impressed I, i'm i'm blown away actually i i'm blown away i don't really have too many words to say it but i but i know that he's done that i do am interested in something i wonder how fast Tyreek Hill would be compared to him if he were to do the same thing. Because, like, you could definitely say DK Metcalf is one of the fastest guys in the NFL, period. And so I wonder how he measures up with all the other fastest guys in the NFL because 10.37, oh, that's
0: no joke. <laughs> it's just no joke, man. Fast at his size, yeah, incredible. and yeah. Fast Fast for, you know, 90, 95% of the human beings on this planet, he's kicking everybody's butt, so – Yeah, it was kind of cool. I was glad he did it. Uh, Yeah, I hope he feels proud and happy that he gave it a shot. And uh, yeah, maybe if he is able to, you know, keep going at it has, you know, a year or two to train, they can, you know, teach him how to do things. Uh, You know, I don't want him to it it to affect his NFL football career, though. Uh, We're Seahawks fans here on the West Coast, and we love seeing him perform at such a high level. And hopefully, uh, you know, bring the Se- Seahawks a lot of great play like he has, but uh, yeah, it was kind of cool. Uh, there's um, yeah, it was neat to see him uh, decide to go for it and, and do quite well.
1: Yeah. It, very cool. Very cool. I, I love the fact that, you know, like it was entertainment, a little bit more of a spectacle and also too, for him, it's just uh, a way to test himself because it's something new. It's uh, un, uh, uncharted for him to try these things. And it was, Nah, as far as I'm concerned, he was quite successful.
0: <laughs> well, while we're talking about the NFL, why don't we just talk about the other two big stories that are coming uh, that that have come down over the weekend? Uh, I guess one of the biggest ones is Tim Tebow has signed an NFL contract to be a tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, what an amazing turnaround in his life! He was a quarterback. He comes out. Um, out of college, highly hyped, uh, has a very short NFL career as a quarterback, decides to try his hand at professional baseball, plays at an extremely high level there as well. Then he decided, no, he wants to get back into football as a tight end, and Jacksonville is going to give him a shot, has uh, supposedly signed him to a contract to uh, come to camp and uh, compete for a job, and uh, might be back in the NFL this season. That's Again,
1: that's a testament to just how amazing an athlete the guy is. They, you, nobody can do that. <laughs> nobody, nobody else can do that. You can't just go from a quarterback to, you know, and then a couple years down the road, then come back and say, ah, I'll, I'll do the tight end thing. I'm good. Yeah, we'll, we'll try that. And then also, too, for Jacksonville to immediately take him on. They didn't need to. Obviously, they tested him out, but they gave him a contract. So that means – he's pretty good
0: he, he's good at that <laughs> which is amazing and he might be catching balls from the number one pick uh, in, in the nfl draft uh which is pretty incredible uh you know might, must be nice from for him to go into such a situation where there's complete upheaval he might uh you know get a good rapport with joey lawrence and might be able to, you know, really start solidifying an NFL career as a tight end. He's he's always been in incredible shape. The guy is really huge. He's he's you know he's a specimen like DK Metcalf we just mentioned. And um, yeah, it's kind of amazing to see that uh, the perseverance and the big heart that he's had, and and he's been able to yeah at least get somebody to believe in him and give him a contract. Yeah, exactly.
1: Like he he has that he. But more importantly, he has the faith in himself that he could get this done, that he could accomplish this, which is just utterly amazing. <laughs> it really is. It really Incredible,
0: is. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm impressed. The pretty neat news. Uh, that's pretty cool. The other big news, obviously, on the eve of the <clears> draft, uh, Aaron Rodgers said, don't want to play with Green Bay anymore. Done with them. Uh, Lots of teams lining up to see what it's going to take to pry him away from Green Bay. Uh, Do you think we're going to see Aaron Rodgers traded in the coming weeks?
1: Tough to say. I I guess it depends on just on, on how broken the relationship is between him and Green Bay. Like if there is... If there's just no chances for reconciliation, then he's gone because he'll probably do everything in his power to be a distraction, to not do well for the team or not do right by the team. Like if he really wants out, like we've seen with other uh, stars or superstars, I should say of that magnitude, if they really want out, they get out. Or he could take the more drastic approach and just sit out. Won't get paid. But he can do that. And that would really put Green Bay into a line. That that would do it too.
0: Force their hand there. Um, yeah, it uh, I I don't, I don't, I know they don't want to make it the the move. I know they would love to repair that relationship. I'm surprised that they don't just go to Aaron and say, what does it take? You you want us to get rid of the general manager, you want us to get rid of the, the coach, you want us to. Who, you know, who do you want us to sign? What you know? What does it take? Because he's the MVP. He's he's the guy that's going to give them a shot to win, get them in the playoffs, give them a chance for a Super Bowl. Nobody else is stepping in tomorrow and helping them, you no know, matter what kind of trade they make. So um, why aren't they just bowing down and saying, okay, Mr. Rogers, uh, what do you need? What do you want?
1: Well, it I guess it sounds to me, it seems to me that They'll, they'll never do like they're not that kind of team they're not just going to acquiesce to anything that their mvp says it's just like that that's just not how they operate that's not how they go about doing things that's what it seems to me so that's why they probably wouldn't do that but at the end of the day though you have to understand whatever trade that you make you're going to lose out on because that's the mvp period that's your mvp like you you're whatever you try to do, you're still going to, you're going to lose. You're going to lose on that trade. So it'll be interesting to see what they, what they do going forward.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I think it's going to be very interesting. I don't think, I don't think it's going to work out well for them if they get rid of him, but um, I don't know if, um, you yeah, know, they have a choice. If he decides to sit out games, like you say, um, you know, maybe, maybe they just have to make the move and, and go about it. So. Uh, Okay. Well, why don't we shift um, from the NFL? Why don't we talk about the NBA where I'd like to talk about the UFC at the end. Uh, This was a card that lost a lot of luster, lost many fights, became a secondary card. Um, You know, it's a, it's a fight night uh, right off the bat, but uh, there was a lot of anticipation for the main event that fell off. Many fights fell off here. Uh, We had a very small prelim card. uh, and uh, yeah, half decent main card. But why don't we talk about the NBA to start with? Uh, the biggest story right now is Russell Westbrook and his pursuit for Oscar Robertson's triple double mark. Uh, Oscar Robertson got 181 triple doubles in his historic illustrious career. And Russell uh, Westbrook has tied the mark uh, with another incredible performance on the weekend. And today's the day that he breaks the record. The game's on NBA TV this afternoon, uh, 4 o'clock start. And um, he, they play Atlanta Hawks today. He's going to break it today. I, I guarantee it. Put the money down. Bet the house. He's got it. Uh, but um, this is incredible. Uh, I don't think he gets enough credit for how impressive this is for a guard to be able to do what he's doing at such a high level to average triple double for four seasons in a row and to be able to uh, tie Oscar Robertson. Uh, yeah. What more can we say? This guy is just, um, you know, one of the best who has ever, ever laced him up and played in the NBA. He's, he's a, he's an athletic
1: freak. Like, like literally like the guy is just, he's all fast twitch muscle. Uh, he's just excitement in a bottle. And uh, he's utterly what he's what he's accomplished, what he's done has been simply magnificent. It's been amazing. And uh, for the longevity, and the time that he's done it for is just it's unparalleled. Clearly, it really is. I, I give him all the credit in the world for doing what he's done, because especially this year, people thought he'd fallen off. He'd lost a step and especially going to a team like Washington where, well, you know, like he might just kind of get lost in a shuffle and disappear down there. Nope. That's not what happened at all. (laughs) Really turned it on at the end here of the season. Amazing.
0: I've been super impressed with him. Um, He's in Oklahoma city. He's got Kevin Durant. He's got, you know, a lot of really good talent. All of a sudden he loses that guy has to adjust to a new player and Paul George. Then all of a sudden he has to, you know, he's in Houston. He has to adjust to James Harden and the players around him there. Then he goes to Washington and now suddenly it's Bradley Beal and how, how does he play? And, you know, there was an adjustment period there for sure in the early stages of this season, but suddenly he's figured out his role, how he has to play. And, and he's willed this team to a playoff position. And uh, it's been just a phenomenal thing to watch. Uh he, He is just so exciting to watch. You and I talk about Steph Curry being, you know, probably the most exciting player, but I love watching Russell Westbrook just dominate in so many facets of the game. Yeah, because he doesn't need to
1: necessarily affect the game all the time through his scoring. He can affect it through everything else, everything else. Like you watch a game with Russell Westbrook. You're just like, he's like the matrix. He's everywhere. (laughs) And he literally is. He's like, I of like. He's everywhere. Like, it's like, oh man, what, didn't he just grab that defensive board, put up a shot, then grab the uh, offensive rebound, kick it out, get the assist? Like, that's that. That's what he does. That's what he does all the time. And it's, it's simply, it's, it's just, it's ridiculous to watch because you're seeing this guy basically play everywhere at all times, and it, and it doesn't stop. He doesn't yeah. stop until the game stops.
0: Yeah, well, uh, in case any of the viewers and listeners don't know what a triple-double is, a triple-double is double figures in categories in the NBA, and it goes scoring, rebounds, and assists, and it also could include blocks or steals. But 98% of the triple-doubles in the history of the NBA have been double figures in points, assists, and and rebounds and uh, let's, I I have some really neat background story of it. Um, Oscar Robertson is the first guy to ever get a triple-double in 1960. Uh, They, no, no, sorry. The first triple-double in NBA history is attributed to Andy Phillip, 1950 Philadelphia Warriors. Uh, The only player in either league, the, the two leagues that came together Uh, to come together. Uh, He got it in, Oscar Robertson got it in 1960. Uh, There's three players that ended their careers, the last game they ever played with a triple double. Dwayne Wade did it uh, most recently in 2019. Wilbur Holland of the Bulls in 79 and Ben Uzo of the Wizards in 2012. Uh, There's two guys that say they were the ones that said it first. They were the ones that they they came up with the term and put it on paper. They were both PR directors. One is Harvey Pollack from the 76ers, and the other is Bruce Jolis from the Lakers, who was PR director there. Uh, Harvey Pollack was um, nominated to the Basketball Hall of Fame the same year that Magic Johnson was nominated into the Hall of Fame. And Harvey walked up and said, uh, hey, you should congratulate me for getting you into the Hall of Fame. And Magic's like, oh, what are you talking about? And, well, I'm the one that told people about triple doubles and follow how great Magic is because he gets doubles all the time. And that's the reason why you're in the Hall of Fame. And Magic's like, okay, yeah, thanks, buddy. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but uh, this it was back in 1980. These two guys uh, said they came up with the term. Uh, there is a lot of interesting uh, other aspects of um, triple doubles. Uh, Carl Malone is the oldest to ever get a triple double. He was 40 years old. And LaMelo Ball, the youngest this year, 19 years old. Uh, Draymond Green has a historic triple double. He had only four points, but he got 12 rebounds, 10 assists, and 10 steals. Uh, the lowest in point total for anybody to ever get a triple double. Uh, a lot of um, yeah, a lot of neat information uh in the latest edition of sports illustrated a fantastic article on triple doubles and uh yeah so many moving parts of of that statistic and the, a lot of the guys that have got it um so many cool uh, stats and information uh yeah i really love to share some more with you uh yeah pretty pretty cool though uh it, it is a it's such a great stat, and I, I wish it was in all sports to just show how well-rounded some of these athletes are, not just you know, focusing on one part of the game.
1: Yeah, exactly, because his, his impact on the game is everywhere. It's, it's, it's everything, like, and it, it's, it's, it's incredibly valuable to have a guy, a guard no less, that can just be like, no, I'll, I'll get that rebound. I don't need anybody to kick it out to me for the fast break. And then you see his speed and his athleticism, which is gets the rebound himself, darts down the darts down there, passes off an assist, you know, to a streaking wing, gets the layup. And so it's like, yeah, man, it, he's he's amazing. He really is. Yeah. It's a machine.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool that um, tonight, uh, you know. I'm sure he's gonna get the record. Uh, He's going to pass the big O. I'm sure there'll be a big celebration. Uh, Washington at Atlanta, NBA TV, four o'clock Pacific time, seven o'clock Eastern time. So don't miss it. Um, Okay, let's talk about some of the other uh, big things that are happening over the weekend. Uh, The Lakers, they have slipped down to seventh place in the Western Conference with a record of 38 and 30. Uh, they look to be playing the Golden State Warriors in that playoff um, play-in game on May 18th. Uh, man, I think that's going to be fun. I think uh, this is going to be great. Uh, if if, um, if uh, we can see a healthy Lakers squad, obviously they're the favorite team, but uh, they're going in pretty banged up in Golden State in one game. Uh, maybe has a shot to knock off the mighty Lakers and send them packing to the, to that second uh, playing in game. Yeah, no, they, they definitely have a shot because Steph
1: Curry has been unconscious as of late. And if you got a guy that's playing that well, like he is, and Hey, this could be one of those firsts that you'll ever see for a playoff game. Coach Steve Kerr might look at Steph and just go put up 20 to 25. Of what shots at three. Because if you're gonna hit 15% of them anyways, you might go 15 for 25. <laughs> and that's a real thing. He can actually really do that. <laughs> and uh if you got a guy that's that dangerous a score, that lethal a score at all points in time, all the time. If I'm the Lakers and if I don't have all my guns ready to go, I would be a little bit worried. I would be a little bit worried.
0: Well, we're down to four games left. Uh, LeBron James back on the shelf with his high ankle sprain. Uh, Anthony Davis looks banged up every game. He's questionable going in. Uh, his last two games, though, he scored 87 points in the last two games. Uh, 42 yesterday as the Lakers beat the Suns. 42, 12 and 5 yesterday for AD. So, yeah, he didn't look too banged up in that game, obviously, but. It seems like every day um, he's going in questionable, sore ankle, sore knee, trouble here, trouble there. Um, and LeBron James and him are, you know, the, the main, you know, pieces of the puzzle. If uh, they're not 100% healthy, uh, if the Lakers, even if they win these play-in games, um, do you think they're going to be able to take this West like everybody has predicted all year?
1: It's going to be incredibly hard because of the fact that they're keep being banged up. And even when I was watching that game, cause I did watch that game where 80 scored 42 points. It doesn't seem like, like, I know that he just came back recently from injury, but it doesn't seem like he has legs underneath him because he doesn't seem stable. When I say that, like, I mean, like he was on the deck, like he got knocked to the ground a ton in that game. And, and there was either even plays where, There was a fight for the fight for a ball, loose ball, and he got body checked, out of bounds. Right. And so he was on the ground a lot. And that's a little bit concerning because, you know, as you're a bigger guy like him, these guys just their their injury woes are a little bit more significant than the smaller guys beside them. They just are. And, And it's and it's definitely a concern. It's something that needs to be monitored. So they'll probably be keeping a very, very close eye on him. If, if there's anything else going on with AD, they will sit him down immediately. Because what matters is the playoffs, not the regular season right now.
0: Yeah, so as I mentioned, uh, the Lakers are 38-30, and 30, seventh place in the Western Conference. Uh, uh, Golden State's two games behind them in eighth place. Uh, you mentioned it uh, last week. Uh, it's it is a funny format. Not sure exactly why they did it this way, but seven will play eight, and nine will play ten. Whoever wins out of seven and eight is automatically in. They will play the second seeded team in the West and the East, you know, either conference. And then the uh, ninth and tenth teams play. Whoever wins that game gets a gets a game against the eighth place team. And if the eighth place team can beat that nine or ten, then they're in. Nine or ten beats eight. And there. And so, uh, so whoever loses out of seven, eight has two shots at that game, nine and 10. They, they I guess they also, you know, get the second shot, but um, it's, it's a weird format. I don't know why, uh, why do you think they would have done it that way? You you mentioned it should have been seven, 10, eight, nine, and then, you know, you really do get the advantage and then, you know, figure it out from there. But um, yeah, I, I don't know who came up with the concept. I, uh, I, I almost
1: want to say maybe it, it's for like a, it's some sort of weird PR move or, or somehow, some way the NBA has figured out if they do it in this, this odd format that they actually gain more through revenue, through um, uh, people watching the games or something like that. Because I, it still doesn't really make any sense to me. Because what does make sense to me, like if you're the seventh seventh ranked team then you shouldn't be punished by having to play the eighth you should be playing the tenth that you know what i mean like you 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 got that record, so that's what that's who you should be playing and yeah it, it's it's an odd it, it's an odd way to do the playoff format for the last uh four teams going into the playoffs
0: I guess it gives them uh, an opportunity to have one extra game. You know, instead of just two games, they they get three and um, yeah, figure it out that way. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I I it's must watch TV for me. Uh, you know, May 18th to 21st, we're going to see those games play out. Those three games, and it's going to be fun. I mentioned uh, again, uh, Lakers are 38 and 30, seventh in the West. 38 and 30 gets you fourth in the east who's that team jason who's fourth in the east new york knicks yeah can you believe it can you believe it the knicks have raised up to fourth and 38 and 30 they look like they're gonna have home court advantage first time in the playoffs in eight years haven't won a championship since 73 uh can you believe the Knicks are relevant? They have been able to assemble a team with a Canadian at point guard RJ Barrett. Julius Randall, MVP type season, in my opinion. Uh Derek Rose dragged off the scrap heap from Detroit. And Thibodeau has come in and somehow assembled this team and, and given them a playoff home court advantage good possibility here. Uh yeah. How, 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 have they done this? It's, it's incredible. A lot of, a
1: lot of credit has to be given to the GM who brought in tips. I think, I think he was, he was the key bringing that coach. Then all of a sudden that coach made everybody else defensively responsible told the team that you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta lock that down for us to have success. And they have done that. And like you said, Randall, has had an MVP-type caliber season and has led that team and has been the leader in that locker room. And like just with the gains that he's made in his game has transcended and has transferred onto the team, and that's why they've had so much success. Um, And then you look at the gains that R.J. Barrett has from uh, his rookie season tonight now. the, The guys are coming up big. The guys are coming up big, and they're playing well together as a team collectively. And then uh, I think you have that Noel, Norland's Noel, defensive stopper. Kid is fantastic on the defense, man.
0: Yeah, they're actually uh fourth ranked uh, team in the NBA for defense. So they're not doing it just offensively like they were trying for many, many years. Uh, Derek Rose became only the sixth player in the NBA with 25 plus points, five assists, and five rebounds off the bench this year. Uh, He's been able to come in as a uh, second unit guy and score immediately, uh, give them an injection of life. Uh, Yeah, they beat the Clippers yesterday. They go into LA and beat the Clippers, 106-100. Really shocking to see the Knicks up there and uh, really super impressive. I mentioned MVP possibility with Julius Randle. He's not in that top mix, but... Um, there have been a lot of really good years. Uh, it has kind of flip flopped a bit this year, but who would your MVP vote go to if you, uh, if you had a vote uh, heading in the end of this week,
1: Joker, Joker, joke, uh, Yeah. Joker all day, every day. Uh, you look at his, uh, his, uh, his stat line. I, I believe like he's, he's just under nine assists a game, Like he, He's literally created a new position, point center. What's a point center? That's a center that plays literally point guard. That's that's what he does. Like the offense runs through that guy. And I believe thus far, maybe he's missed no games or one or two games. That's it. And like you know, if you're looking at an MVP, there's a lot of other guys that obviously could be in the conversation. But all those other people have lost a significant amount of time and he hasn't. That's why he's my pick. He's been steady. He's been consistent. And then also, too, if you look at um, the Nuggets' uh, run since Jamal Murray's gone down, I think they've late, maybe lost two games since. So he's even stepped up in that regard. That's why, for me, he's the MVP. He
0: wins. Uh, yeah, he's probably going to deserve it. Uh, the, there are fourth, and it does seem to come down to a lot of voters voting for the teams that are at the top of each other conference best record uh, the jazz have won five in a row uh, 50 and 18 uh, I, but I don't see anybody there emerging as a as a candidate but the suns are right behind them a uh, couple games back uh, CP3 has been getting a lot of um, talk about MVP uh, just being able to take the suns team that Nobody thought would be able to be in the upper echelon. Uh, what a year he has. Uh, it's been super impressive. Oh, yeah. Well,
1: he's, he's the one that's completely turned around the, that team, the culture of the team. Um, you saw that they had greatness within them when they did that bubble run and they went undefeated. Eight, yeah, no, eight, no, nope. no. And you're just like, wow. Like If they got a couple more pieces, I wonder what that team could do. Well, now you know They got those pieces in Jay Crowder and Chris Paul. And now that they have them, they're off into the races. I think I want to say that their their change from last year to this year is one of the greatest changes that any team has ever done record-wise, period, record-wise. And and Chris Paul, deservedly so, has been in talks for MVP because he has been the one that has changed um, their destiny on that team. He's been that guy.
0: The other guy that's in the conversation has been Joel Embiid. Uh, Sixers have won eight in a row. They've got a three game lead at the top of the Eastern Conference with a record of 47 and 21. Uh, if Joel Embiid doesn't miss so many games this year, I think he's probably got it wrapped up the MVP. I believe he's missed 19 games this year, uh, but um, 76ers, eight in a row, 47 and 21 on the year. And, uh, yeah, just the just phenomenal uh, uh, coming together of this team. Doc Rivers has come there and uh, done phenomenal things. Yeah,
1: Doc Rivers has done great things for the team. And I think more to the point, Doc has really put uh, the players in positions to succeed. I, I think that's what he's really, really done for this team. And the other thing that's changed for this year to last year for Joel Embiid, he actually took it to heart when uh the tnt crew of chuck kenny and Shaq challenged him to be greater and as this year he took it on the chin and he said i took that as uh as a spark to become greater so i've i've taken i've taken i've taken the challenge i've taken it on and i've tried to be better this year and he has been like clearly he has definitely been
0: Did you watch the uh, Miami-Boston game yesterday? Uh, Did you get a chance to watch that one?
1: No, I didn't. I missed that one.
0: Uh, The Heat uh, ended up um, beating the Celtics. They were up 26 at one point. Celtics made a really uh, run through the third and fourth quarter to come back on it, but uh, Miami won 130 to 124. Uh, That gives them a two-game lead on the Celtics. Uh, Celtics are in that play in first play in position. Uh, they do play each other again on Tuesday. Uh, I thought it was a a phenomenal game by Miami. They, uh, they were probably the best I've seen them since that bubble run. Uh, they finally seem to be coming together. Uh, they made a big statement against Boston, that game, uh, if they beat, um, if they can beat them on Tuesday again, uh, it's definitely Miami and six solidified in that playoff position. Celtics will have to battle it out. It looks like it's going to be between the Hornets, Wizards and Pacers. Uh, all the other teams have fallen off. So it'll be Celtics, Hornets, uh, Wizards, Pacers, and nine, 10. Uh, but yeah, it was an amazing performance by Jimmy Butler. Uh, many guys uh, stepped up. Uh, it was yeah really impressive game. And uh, I think, the Heat showed that uh, they're ready to to run out, uh, at another uh, conference championship, and uh, yeah, try to defend it again.
1: You can't discount them because they got Jimmy Butler, so you can't discount that team. That that, that guy is that guy will fight you to the end. He will you will battle Jimmy
0: Evan Butler. I, I love it when you said that last year. <laughs> yeah. Yes.
1: yeah, Jimmy Evan Butler, man, like that guy will battle you to the end, and he will drag his team along with him. And they will follow him into the fire. I'm I'm excited to see if they can remake that magic they had last year. That would be great because I, you know, out of everything that's happened thus far this year, all the injuries and everything else, I think this is going to be a very exciting playoffs because I think now maybe you could say it's a little bit more wide open. Just because of the the injuries, just because of the amount of have the Nets top three, have they really played together? Is there even any synergy or chemistry there? Or does it not matter because they're just that great? They'll figure it out on the fly. You know, like I a lot of things are wide open. And especially in the West. Especially in the West. I don't know who's coming out of the West. I you could ask many pundits about who they think, and I think everybody would have a different choice for who's coming out of the west a lot of people think obviously out of the east probably would be brooklyn but it could very easily be philly or the bucks and then dark horses could be like the miami heat as well it's it's going to be very exciting to watch man i'm super looking forward to the playoffs this year
0: okay we mentioned uh your pick for mvp we talked about uh, probably the coach of the year and tom thibodeau uh rookie of the year uh no brainer
1: uh yes and no uh i i would say i would say it's Lamelo still even with his time off but i don't know what others would think about that like maybe they think maybe he's lost too much time but before he got injured he was clearly runaway favorite and i think even with the games missed he's still the guy i really do
0: uh, he uh, played against his brother for the second time in the NBA yesterday. Uh, Lonzo uh, didn't have the numbers that LaMelo had, but uh, got the last laugh as the Pelicans beat, uh, beat, beat his uh, brother's team and uh, pushed them a little bit farther down the list. But uh, fun to see the Ball brothers playing each other. Did you see the assist that LaMelo had when he tossed an underhand pass from his, uh, near his hoop all the way to the other hoop to score did you see that assist I missed that oh he, man was- you gotta see that online it's amazing incredible one of the most amazing assists you've ever seen and uh yeah he's he's come back firing uh all guns and blazing and looking great and and really trying to get that rookie of the year uh, he did miss a bit, bunch of time but I think he's still the front runner I I I think so too. Like like I said,
1: before he got injured, he was clearly the runaway favorite. Like it wasn't and it wasn't close. Was it wasn't anywhere anywhere close. Nobody was close to him. So I think he, I think he still get. He, he wins it. He gets it.
0: The last basketball uh, thing I want to talk about is um, Zion Williamson, uh, broken finger out for the season. Uh, Pelicans, uh, basically their hopes now of making that play-in game have uh, fallen by the wayside because of that. Uh, a lot of people have compared him to Shaquille O'Neal, the size inside. Uh, they used to do hack-a-shack because nobody could stop him. But if he went to the line, they could, he couldn't score. So uh, David, Gri- uh, David Griffin ended up getting fined $50,000 for criticizing the officials, saying that uh, they're ruining the game. He knew they knew that uh, Zion was going to get hurt because of all the uh, hacking and whacking going on, trying to stop him from scoring. Uh, He broke his finger. I don't think it was due to a a hack or whack. uh, But uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy to see. Uh, Do you see the referees um, calling it any (coughs) different from Zion as his career goes on because he is such a star? Uh, but, uh, you know, he is so big that it's hard to notice when he gets hacked and whacked uh, inside down low.
1: Well, first off, coach did the right thing. Coach has to protect his players, and if that means that he'll have to eat a couple, like, fines by calling out refs, he's going to do that. Um, And, yeah, unfortunately, I I see that future coming for Zion for sure because Shaq had to deal with it his whole career, He got used to it after a while. I don't think it was a lot of fun, but he did get used to it. And I think Zion's going to have to do the exact same thing. they will have to have that mentality because they're going to – people are just going to jump on his back literally to stop him from scoring. And when you're that big and you're that strong and you're that athletically gifted, you have to know that's how the teams are going to approach you. That's how they're going to attack you is by literally fouling you
0: all the time. yeah okay so we're in our last week of the nba uh man i am pumped i'm so excited i'm not working i'm just gonna set up my five tvs here and just be watching games like crazy you and i are going to be texting each other calling each other it's going to be phenomenal um you know those playing games are going to be fun and then we'll be able to talk about the matchups you and i will be able to really break it down and uh, see what we see heading into the playoffs um I think this is another year where, you know, there's so much uncertainty. We went through those years with, with Golden State playing Cleveland and everybody knew that that was going to be them at the end. Uh, you know, finally, we've got these last couple of years where there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of teams have a shot to, to win this all. And it's going to be probably one of the most fun playoffs uh, you and I have ever witnessed. Yeah, there's
1: like, I guess you could say there's a little bit more parody. Like you, you just don't know who's going to come out on top. And that's awesome. That That's great. Because you just can't go, well, I guess it's going to be from back in the day, Steph and KD because, well, it's Steph and KD, you know, what I mean? like, so there, there's, there's nothing more to be said about that, but now there's, there's question marks and there's also too, there's question marks about like, can the box finally get over the hump? Is Drew Holiday going to be the guy to get them over the hump, which I honestly believe that he is that guy. That dude is yeah, that huge good. Huge
0: acquisition,
1: yeah. yeah. Huge acquisition, right? And and like I said, out of the West, you got three teams, the top three in the West, Utah Jazz, Phoenix Suns, and the L.A. Clippers. They're all interchangeable. They're all that good. Either one of those teams can beat the other, I believe, in a playoff series. So I have no idea who's coming out of the West.
0: None. Zero. It's going to be exciting, man. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, looking forward it. I can't wait to see how this plays out this past week. Uh, we're going to see Russell Westbrook uh, tonight. Uh, Steph Curry is playing in the second game this evening, the, the late game. Uh, so tu- tune into NBA TV tonight and uh, witness some incredible performances by some uh, top of the yeah, top-of-the-heap NBA players. Okay, um, I do want to mention our partners and sponsors, and then we're going to touch base on the um, the UFC uh, fight night that happened this past Saturday. So, I'm going to go to our website, and I'm going to show you uh, the partners and sponsors page. You can go onto our website. You'll go onto the home page, which uh, shows you this and gives you a lot of uh, featured podcasts and lots of details. If you go to our partners and sponsors tab right here and then you can see a few of our main sponsors uh, like anchor they've been a great partner and sponsor for complete sports media fantastic at posting on multiple podcast platforms Anchorfm.com is the place to go and you can build your own podcast and go go away uh, Be on your way, I mean. uh, Verbaro, the hockey equipment and apparel company, industry leader in technology performance and value. The V350 stick is a must have if you're a player. Pampas Impossibilities, they design and sell dried florals, do floral arrangements and installations. And of course, Forever Living, their aloe vera company. They grow and manufacture aloe vera based products for health and beauty. Uh, You can go on to here. Uh, click on some of the tabs to learn more tabs. You can purchase products at reduced rates. So as always, thank you to our partners and sponsors. Just go to completesportsmedia.com. Okay, so we had a crazy, crazy UFC Fight Night card. It was supposed to be 13 fights um, across the board. Uh, and the main event uh, you and I talked about last week was supposed to be Corey Sandhagen TJ Dillashaw. Uh, Dillashaw suffered an injury during training. Said he got cut from a headbutt above his eye. Needed stitches. Wasn't going to be able to be healed in time for him to uh, face this main event. It would have been Dillashaw's first appearance since he gave up his bantamweight 135-pound title in 2019, January 2019, after he tested positive for EPO. And um, everybody threw him onto that cheater um, mountain. And uh, it was, yeah, we were looking forward to seeing him. Uh, We knew he was going to face a really tough guy in uh, Sanhagen. And uh, after two years away from the cage, we weren't sure what we were going to see. But we were looking forward to it. Uh, Really disappointed that this fight fell off and wasn't the main event anymore. Yeah, it was
1: very disappointing because I I definitely wanted to see what new wrinkles to his game that Dillashaw was going to bring, and also to just to see what Corey Sandhagen was just literally going to do to Dillashaw because he's at the top of his game, clearly, at the very, very top. So it unfortunate that the fight didn't happen, but hopefully it can happen down the road here in the future.
0: Well, the new main event became uh, Marina Rodriguez against uh, Michelle Watterson. Uh, that became the main event. Um, and, yeah, we'll, we'll touch base on that a little bit. But I want to talk about some of the other fights that fell off as well. Uh, Ryan Benoit was supposed to fight Zaruk Adeshev. It was postponed by the Nevada State Athletic Commission because Benoit had so much trouble cutting weight. He went uh, on Friday, went up to step onto the scale. He could barely stand. He, uh, they ended up weighing him in. He was three pounds over the limit. They uh, said, you know, you should go back and try to make the weight. Uh, His corner could barely hold him; he was barely even able to walk away. Uh, The commission got together and said, uh, "We're postponing this fight. Uh, He can't fight today." And um, yeah, another weight cut problem. You and I have been beating this to death, but um, yeah, it's it's another thing that uh, yeah we're seeing rear its ugly head. Uh, it happened on another one of the fight cards. One of the guys t- uh, came in overweight, they decided to still fight. But um, yeah, here we go again. Uh, this this guy looked almost like he was ready to drop dead. And uh, they were, why don't you go back and try to cut more weight, uh, come back and, and, and weigh in in an hour. And then finally, cooler heads prevailed and they said, no, 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 let's just not not make this guy face a face another battle or uh, come Saturday. You know, like, yeah, like cooler heads should always prevail when they
1: see, like maybe the commission needs to just do this from now on in. If they see that you can't even support yourself when you go to the scale fights off, like just immediately fights off. If you have to be, if you have to have your friends on either side where you like, this is like, just get me to the scale. To the scale. no man you can't fight <laughs> it's over you, you can't do this and so i and i think it has to be incumbent upon the fighters now sometimes the weight cut is too drastic because that's not your weight category and you got to give that up if you can't make that weight safely without being dragged to the scale then maybe it's time for you to move up and wait so that you can be healthier for the fight anyways and not deplete yourself so that you're you're compromised even when you step into the octagon on the day that you are supposed to fight and just have full energy so you can give the best performance that you can because like this is your livelihood and it doesn't do you any good if you can barely make it to the scale or you collapse and have to go to the hospital because you're severely
0: dehydrated, so. Jeff Neal said he had to lose 37 pounds in seven days when he uh, uh, realized he was going into the fight. He said he had been sick and he had sepsis. He said he felt sick the entire week. He was 208 pounds one week out from stepping on the scale. So he lost 37 pounds in a week. And the commentators were like, I don't know what's wrong with Jeff Neal. He just doesn't seem to have the same output as Neil Magney. He just doesn't seem to be able to... Um, Yeah, you know, (laughs) do as well as Magni. Uh, Yeah, I guess there's a disparity in their skill level. No, the guy could barely move if you're putting your body through that kind of stress. He he said he actually contemplated a few times uh, calling off the fight through the week, uh, but maybe there should be checks, you know, a week out. Okay, no, you can't, you know, you can't fight because that's too much weight to lose. Maybe there should be a check three days out or I don't know, but 37 pounds in seven days. There's no way somebody should be walking into the cage and fighting another guy uh, when he's subjected his brain, his body de- depleted himself that much. It's, it's brutal. It's horrible. No,
1: it's absolutely horrible. Like it reminds me of back in the day when Anthony Rumble Johnson was trying to lose significant amounts of weight to the point where you're like, that's ludicrous. Nobody could do that. And then he would do it. And you're just like, oh, I don't know how you did that, right? And I, I, I have to put a little bit of responsibility on the fighter. All right, so if you're if you're going to take the fight on short notice, then do it at a catchweight, man. Do yourself a favor and do it at a catchway because you do yourself an incredible disservice if you're saying, oh, 45 pounds in 10 days? Not a problem. No, man, huge problem. Huge problem, man. You can't expect yourself... To be able to lose that much weight in that short amount of time, and then have like the ability to
0: compete at the highest level, you do yourself a disservice. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about um, some weight cutting problems uh, through this card as well. Uh, the Ben Rothwell fight um, was supposed to be against Felipe Linz. Lins had an undisclosed illness; it just fell off. Uh, just Couple of days ago, uh, they had. This was the second time they were scheduled to fight. They were supposed to fight also on March 13th. So uh, maybe it's not in the cards for them to fight. Amanda Hebas was supposed to fight Angela Hill, and it was postponed because a positive COVID test from Hebas and her father. Uh, supposedly, no symptoms were present. They weren't aware that they were sick at all, uh, but they were told that they were they tested positive so uh the the Watterson Rodriguez fight um they are normally uh strawweight fighters uh but they actually fought at flyweight they allowed them to come in 10 pounds heavier and uh I think that was because of uh such a short notice uh didn't want to have them depleted was the main event wanted to give them the opportunity to fight at their natural weight more natural. And uh, they both looked great, but Marina looked uh, much, much, much bigger than Watterson. Uh, I was shocked at the difference in size, and uh, Rodriguez was just, wow, just such a superior fighter in this one.
1: Yeah, her Muay Thai stand-up is no joke. Uh, That's what Sean threw for me. But what what else Sean threw as well in this fight was Water Watterson's tenaciousness her heart? Like she, I thought there was many times during this fight where she could have called it quits, especially when I, th- I believe Rodriguez uh, did that blitz on her in the third round. and uh, looked like yeah. he was trying to take her out right then and there. She
0: Don't held many combinations there.
1: Oh yeah, like that that combination flurry of about like nine shots, nine hands thrown. Like I was just that that nine punch combo. I was like, oh man, Watterson's
0: is she gonna be tough. out?
1: Yeah, that was tough. And then she didn't go out. She didn't go out. And she did that—the um, one uh, attack that Watterson did that was ex- highly effective was the the running leg kick, where she just run and smack that leg as hard as she could. That compromised um, uh, Rodriguez's mobility to a great extent, a great deal. So I, Rodriguez clearly won because of her stand up was superior, but Watterson gave a good accounting of herself. And it's super tough and
0: was there to the end. end. Uh, She looked uh, great when she took her down in the fourth round and was able to dominate her on the ground. I'm surprised that she didn't try to do more takedowns. Uh, I thought, especially after that fourth round takedown and domination, I expected to see quite a few attempts at takedown in that fifth, Uh, Mm -hmm. but she didn't. Um, Do you think uh, she was too tired? Do you think she realized she couldn't get in close enough? why do you think she didn't try to utilize that more? Because she showed pretty dominant skills in that fourth round.
1: Yeah, she she might have felt that she she would have she maybe she just didn't have the gas tank to just do it again, you know, like like she would have to she would have faced too much uh, pushback on the other end, so it wasn't worth her while. But even in the fifth, though, she did hurt her severely with that. I think that front kick to the jaw. Then all of a sudden it looked like her jaw was expanding out of her face. Yeah. Brutal, yeah. That like, you know, like Rodriguez won this fight, but she got hurt doing it.
0: <laughs> she really did. Yeah, it was crazy yeah. to see a bit of a protrusion out of her jaw. And they were like, I don't know if she's going to be able to actually conduct any post-fight interviews because of That's it. Right. They were uh, thinking she had to get immediately to the hospital, but she did. And she called out Johanna Jacek. She called out Carla Esparza. Uh, there's a lot of talk that she might actually face Li Zhang. And uh, if Zhang doesn't get the Rose Namajunas rematch, uh, all those fights, I think she can really compete very hard with all of them. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, who they put in front of her next.
1: If it's Joanna and her, great fight. It's her and Li great fight. Like anybody in that top five of that division is a great fight for her. I I, personally, I'd like to see her fight Joanna as I because they they seem to have a similar style of fight, you know, like and seeing that those two go at it, I think that would bring me great joy. Great joy.
0: Yeah, that was a good five round battle. Um, Yeah, it was a fun fight to have. Uh, The co-main event ended up being the uh, fight between Alex Morono and Donald Cerrone, uh, Morono was a um, late notice replacement for Diego Sanchez. And I thought Donald Cerrone, Diego Sanchez was a really good matchup. I thought both of those guys, they're veterans. They've been through wars. They can have a real great stand up battle. It'll be, you know, really fun fight. Uh, not nothing too taxing on Cowboy that, who has, come in losing a lot of fights in a row. Uh, And then you and I talked about Diego getting cut from the UFC because of some problems with his management and uh, some issues with possibly not knowing, um, you know, how his head is these days. But uh, I feel a bit bad for Donald agreeing to fight at this weight, 170, he said he's more 155-er now uh, and facing a young up-and-comer with the great white Alex Morono. tough uh, i feel i feel a bit sad seeing cerrone uh get beat beat and battered again and uh suffering uh, his sixth loss in a row
1: yeah you you could kind of tell in this fight that he has a point he is a 155er because he was overpowered He was overpowered and like some of those shots that verona was winging at him you're like okay he's he's throwing the whole kitchen sink at him he's throwing with a tremendous amount of power, like he wants to get him out of there. At first, I thought, maybe uh, Cerrone can survive this. Maybe he just has to weather the storm. But when when he got clipped with that right, uh, with 45 seconds left in the round, I was just like, oh, well, there's still only 45 seconds. Maybe he can hang on. And I'm like, or maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> and it was all she wrote. And then he, he took him out with 20 seconds left in the round. Only yeah, took him forty-five seconds
0: is a, a legend. Uh, that was his 37th UFC uh, performance um, fight. Uh, he uh, tied Jim Miller for the most ever appearances in the cage, 37. Orlovsky's got 35, and Jeremy Stevens has 33. Uh, they, he has the most wins in UFC history at 23. Uh, complete legend. Uh, really tough to see. Um, Yeah, him losing, you know, this many fights in a row. He had that one draw that happened because of a a point deduction uh, to the other fighter. Um, But uh, yeah, I I hope they can find an opponent that can stay there, uh, be somebody that sort of, you know, had that many wars, uh, you know, being a veteran like him, not maybe not an up and comer anymore. Uh, Morono, uh, looked great. Uh, he got 50 K for his knockout there. And, um, yeah, I, 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 know that Cerrone said, you know, Hey, I don't want to retire yet. Uh, you know, I'm not done, but, uh, I think, you know, they need a matchup that better suits them. And if that fight falls off, then not replace him with, with somebody else like this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I totally agree with you. As you've said that six losses in a row, I don't know how many more losses the UFC will tolerate with him, even though that's one of data white's guys, but it, you know, like wins and losses matter in this game. So uh, depending on how his next fight is, or his next two fights are, you might see him say happy trails here soon.
0: Yeah. I don't want to go over every fight in detail. Like we normally do. We, I mentioned Jeff Neal. 37-pound uh, loss, he lost. Neil Magney looked uh, just amazing. Uh, really great uh, gas tank, relentless pursuit. I was impressed by Net- Magny's performance.
1: Yeah, yep. Magny looked great. Uh, basically, he-, he stifled Neil's offense by just putting in more offense. He was a volume fighter. And then whenever Neil stepped in, then he tied him up. He wrestled him. It was actually a very astute game plan. And it's one that got him the victory. And then also, too, as we said before, Neil's cardio was definitely compromised in this fight. He just did not have the output he normally would have. And then how could you if you lost 40 pounds in 10 days? Yeah, that's going to be a thing.
0: Agni uh, has had an impressive career. Uh, second most wins in welterweight history with 18, uh, second most significant strikes, um, almost uh, 1,250 takedowns, that's sixth most ever. Uh, He got his uh, 19, is that, oh no, that was his 19th USC win, sorry, not 18th. Uh, Only GSP has more in the welterweight division. And uh, it looks like they're putting him up already with Vincent Luque. So um, yeah, great battle uh, coming for coming up for the Haitian sensation. That's a good fight. That's a good fight. Those two, two different
1: styles, but both are super tough and you cannot count any of them out ever in any moment in the fight. That's, That's a great matchup. I really like that one. I like that a lot.
0: Uh, the heavyweight battle with Marcos Rogerio de Lima and Maurice Green doesn't deserve much talk. It was pretty bad. Uh, Green, Green is just terrible on his takedown defense, doesn't know how to get off his back. Uh, de Lima just took him down immediately and controlled him. Uh, Maurice Green, crochet boss, I don't know, nine and seven. Uh, he cost our, our friend Tanner Bozer a paycheck, supposedly stole his shorts. Uh, Maurice, uh, you know, maybe step aside and uh, find another career. Uh, you, you you looked bad there, buddy. You looked really bad, and and anybody that's facing you from this point forward is is just going to take you down and do the same thing. So you know, either learn how to f- grapple and get out of that kind of position, or you know, find another career because that was rough.
1: Yeah, uh, the most interesting thing in this fight was what happened at the end of the second round where Dilema looked like he threw a, a punch after the bell. And there were some harsh words said after that to the point where I'm like, is he going to go after him after the bell? Like where they should go back to their corner. Cause I'm like, that's interesting. That's why I'm watching this fight now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. That was probably the most exciting part of that whole fight, but yeah. Yeah. I- Herb Dean was a little mad and he, yeah, uh, he said, I thought he said, I, I took a point from you. I can do worse next time. Uh, and then he was a little bit mad at uh, green for reaching his hands and maybe going into his eyes with it. But, but yeah, a little extracurricular activity. Uh, they needed that during the 15 minutes that they were in the cage, not, not after. So I was, I was a little angry with that fight uh, to, you know, just to see how overmatched, uh, Green is at at grappling and takedown defense. Uh, Yeah, just uh, doesn't deserve to be in that heavyweight uh, picture if he doesn't know how to grapple and know how to get off the ground like that. So uh, let's talk about the lightweight fight. Uh, We talked a lot about uh, missing weight, lots of troubles on the scale. Uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira weighed in five pounds heavy, uh, didn't cut any more weight. And uh, Gregor Gillespie said, okay. I'm going to still take this fight, uh, even though he didn't even try to make weight. uh, He doesn't come in. Uh, Gregor ended up getting 30% of Ferreira's purse, and he got his 50K bonus as well because this was the fight of the night. So he gets 100K plus the 30% of his purse, plus his show and his win. So uh, good on Gregor for doing this. I'm mad at Ferreira for not trying to make weight, uh, but uh, the gift came in and uh, took it to him. Man, tough guy. Holy cow. This was a hell of a fight and a super impressive win for Gillespie. It's been a long
1: time since I've seen in a fight that much high-level grappling exchanges going back and forth for two rounds and to the point where you're just like, there is no possible way that anybody could keep this up. The pace that they were fighting was breakneck. It was ridiculous to the point that I've never seen Gillespie come out for the second round. I've never seen him that tired. That dude never gets tired. He was exhausted. But then he emptied the tank. It's almost like he found not just his second, third, his fourth win. It was ridiculous like when he said that was nothing but heart he was absolutely correct he drowned him he took him into the deepest of waters and drowned him with like the the pressure and the pace that he was pus- putting on ferrera ain't nobody gonna survive that man it was that was ridiculous yeah Never when
0: seen... when the referee chris tayoni uh finally stopped the fight uh it was amazing yeah you were the, the, the transitions, the grappling, the, uh, the back and forth exchanges there, it was some of the greatest grappling we've ever seen. Mo Green, get that tape, watch it, learn it, you know. Holy cow, it was one of the greatest two round fights I've ever seen, just so many amazing, amazing transitions and, and work on the ground and, and back and forth. But Gillespie, yeah, like he is a cardio machine and he, as he, as you say, he was able to find that extra gear, that extra wind and just keep grinding and grinding and getting a huge win. I was super impressed. Uh, he was very emotional. It had been two years since his win coming off his first loss of his career, 841 days since he was able to raise his hand in the cage. Um, yeah, he, uh, yeah, uh, he he definitely would have impressed the uh, USC brass and um, all his fans. Uh, yeah, that's this was a, a well-deserved win, and I'm glad he was able to beat the bigger guy, guy that uh, you know came in and didn't try to make the weight and stuffing in his face, say, "Hey, I've taken your fifty k. I'm taking the bit of your purse. I'm taking everything from you. Uh, next time, don't disrespect me and come in at the proper weight."
1: Yeah, yeah, and also too. Come in the proper weight, so I don't have to break you. Because at the end of the day, in this fight, he broke him. He broke that man, and you could see it in the fight where you're just like, oh, oh man, oh that he is a scary individual going forward for himself. And I I did love the candor that he had in the post fight interview. I thought that was one of the best post fight interviews he's ever done or I've ever heard because he was just he was just genuine and he was real. Because like in any fighter. The reality is, there's always doubts coming back after your first loss. There's always doubts, and then, but he proved to himself that even with those doubts, he can push through and he can win.
0: I heard there's talk that uh, his next opponent might be Islam Makhachev. Uh, that's uh, yeah, a hell of opponent, and it could, that will be an incredible grappling display by both those guys. That'd um, yeah, be fun to watch and. Hopefully they can put that together. So uh, let's talk about the opening fight on the main card between Phil Megatron Hawes and Kyle Dacus. Uh, Docus was the favorite coming in. Uh, Megatron really had some great trakedowns, made a lot of adjustments. Uh, it's great on top control, just in phenomenal shape. Seven fight win streak. Uh, Wins a a really tough decision. Uh, He was rocked at one point, uh, looked a little uh, out of it, but uh, just kept going on and on and uh, taking this win. Uh, Man, Megatron is one tough guy, and uh, that was a a fun fight to watch too.
1: Gutty performance on his part, and the thing that really stood out to me in this fight that I saw that was changed with uh, Mr. Hawes was the fact that his cardio was definitely up to snuff it was at the level he needed it to be especially with his frame he's a, got a very very muscular frame with guys like that they can have a tendency have a tendency of burning out quick but if you work on that cardio enough you're not going to burn out and he definitely did not i think that was something that Dawkins was hopefully counting on to try to take him in those deep waters but didn't work because his cardio was up to snuff and I thought for myself that was really what uh, was the turn of the tide for this particular
0: fight. Uh, he's in Sanford MMA. Uh, we've talked a lot about Sanford MMA recently. Tons of great fighters coming out of that camp. Uh, he said, Izzy, get worried. I'm coming. Uh, he's uh, he's already got a fight scheduled. They had a, his this fight scheduled before this fight even started. Uh, he's fighting Darren Wynn on July 17th. So. Uh, not too far in the distance. Uh, we're going to get to see Megatron fight again. And um, yeah, hell of a performance there by him. I, uh, yeah, like you say, you, you know, you see a guy that muscular, you think, oh, uh, he better finish this earlier. He's in trouble. But uh, his gas tank uh, just didn't seem to deplete. And uh, he was able to get a huge win.
1: Yeah, he got a huge win against a very, very tough guy, in Dawkus, that uh, I honestly thought that Dawkus was going to beat him because I didn't think that his cardio would be, would be where it needed to be, but Oz cardio was, and he got the win.
0: Okay, um, do you want to touch on the prelims? Uh, do you care to uh, make any comments of some of those fights? Uh, anything stick out for you? Uh, oh, the only thing that I wanted to say was
1: that beginning the prelims, I, I thought that the, the win by Harris was uh, pretty impressive hit Aguilera with a short uppercut, which got him to the ground, and finished it with an anaconda choke, which I haven't seen for a while. And uh, that's, that's the one fight I wanted to mention. Because that was pretty impressive.
0: The 19th fighter to win by anaconda choke, uh, there has been 22 anaconda choke submission wins in the UFC. Uh, he was actually, uh, I, I was told he was actually homeless before he got his shot in the UFC, uh, he got a 50k for this win. Uh, it's so great to see a guy's life change. Uh, UFC uh, gave him a shot, and uh, he's uh, taking it and running with it. Uh, yeah, a really good way to kick off the the, the card, and and a big win and uh, 50k to you know keep him uh, house above his or a, a roof above his head. And uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I was shocked to hear that uh, he was homeless before the UFC gave him a shot to fight uh, uh, about a year ago when he came in.
1: Well, and that's also impressive because you want to talk about guys being hungry. That guy was literally hungry. <laughs> he was literally hungry. And so, and, and it's impressive for anybody to come from where they were at that point. Where they are now, with the all of a sudden fifty, sixty thousand
0: 60,000 in the bank.
1: That's
0: awesome. Yeah. Great that's store. Nice. Yeah. Super nice. So, yeah. So, uh, that's a wrap on that card, uh, a smaller card than normal. But, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. We go to next week's card. Uh, it is USC 262. And we've got the Title fight between Charles Oliveira and Michael Chandler. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I was impressed by Chandler with Hooker. Uh, you know, seen some of his fights before, but um, maybe he's bitten off a little more than he can chew with uh, Charles Oliveira. This should be a great battle.
1: Considering what Charles Oliveira did in his last fight, yeah, I'd say he bitten off way too much. I, I. I I don't see Chandler winning this fight. And when I say I don't see it, like I don't see it anywhere that he could actually win this fight. A lucky punch is always a lucky punch. That's great. He'll, he will have that shot because he does have the power to do that. Nobody's ever done that to hook him before. But at the same time, Charles Oliveira, his skill set right now, way that he's fighting is absolutely top shelf upper like it's it's top notch he's he's one of the best fighters in the ufc regardless of weight division so yeah i'm thinking i think charles olivera was this fight
0: um the uh charles olivera's last performance was a a a grind out decision win over tony ferguson tony ferguson is on the co-main event uh fighting benil Daryush. Uh, Ferguson has been in some tough wars, some really, really, really tough wars lately. Uh, do you think this has diminished his ability to uh, compete at, at a high level and uh, you know, be able to win some of these fights? Uh, uh, we've seen some of these guys that never come back from some of the wars they were involved in. And I feel a bit, uh, a little leery about seeing Tony Ferguson back in a cage after some of the abuse that he's taken recently.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, like and he like you said he's been in some ridiculous wars, especially that fight against when he fought Gaethje. That was tough to watch. So, um I am interested to see how he reacts uh to Darius when he like when they get into the thick of it. Um I, I hope that the I hope that there's been no drop off in his performance level going into this fight, but it's going to be pretty obvious if there is, and I think we'll see it very quickly. So, because, like, with the wars that he's been in, that, that that's kind of, re- it reminds me of, like, Rory McDonald when he fought, um, um, ah, yeah, uh, oh man, I can't remember his name. Anyways, but when he had that one fight that was an absolutely brutal, brutal matchup, and once he came back from that fight to fight again you could tell that he lost something he lost something
0: yeah Robbie Lawler thank you thank you Robbie
1: Lawler thank you
0: yeah yeah it seemed to change Rory and uh yeah uh yeah I, I don't know I've seen it a lot over the years when some of these uh, guys go through that uh, Justin Gaethje beat him really bad and you know, his five rounds uh, is called mercifully right at the end of that fifth round. And, um, yeah, he didn't look the same against Oliveira. He had been on a, an incredible streak and uh, yeah, it looks a little tough. So, yeah, we ho- hope that we see the old Tony Ferguson back. And uh, yeah, it'll be, that uh, it should be a great co-main event. Um, Caitlin Chukagian's fighting Vivian Arujao should be a great battle. Featherweight battle between Edson Barbosa and Shane Burgos. Um man, those two guys are uh both incredible warriors. Um, uh, great way to kick off the main card.
1: Oh, yeah. No, no, that's a great fight. Uh action-packed. That'll be in a very exciting, exciting fight.
0: Great fight. One of uh one of uh Scott Holburn's favorite fighters, Lando Venatas, coming in and getting to fight Mike Grundy on the prelims. Uh, we get to see uh, Antonina Shevchenko fight uh, Andrea Lee. Uh, you, you're a big Shevchenko fan, her sister. Uh, yeah, still very, very skilled. Uh, I look forward to seeing seeing that one as well. Oh, yeah. Well, if you got
1: your older sister is the champion that can't be beat by anybody else other than the other champ champ, yeah, you're probably going to be pretty good for the going into this fight to fight whomever, whenever, wherever.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Uh, The uh, the feature prelim fight has Jacare fighting Andre Muniz and uh, early prelims. We've got uh, Jordan Wright, Jamie Pickett. We've got Gina Mazzani. We've got Kevin Aguilar uh, and yeah, lots of fights. A very stocked card. Uh, This is at the Toyota center and uh, in, in Houston Uh, so I guess they will be having, uh, full fans as well here. Uh, we'll have to see that. Um, hopefully lots of vaccinations have been done for all these people and, and, uh, there's not risk of, um, COVID spreading around all all through Houston.
1: Yeah, I'm going to hope for that. And the American people should too, and anybody going to the event, uh, I just hope everybody's safe. I know that the vaccinations, they're well ahead of us. Well ahead of us. Here's the thing that I'm, more, I'm very interested in after they're putting on all these events. Is anybody monitoring the numbers or do they care anymore? I don't know. No. I don't know that. But you could definitely see if you're having these major uh, uh, events happening where you have all these people in one place, you probably could be able to track as like, should we keep continue to keep doing this, or are we good? I hope somebody's keeping an eye on that, because that would probably be
0: for the best. That's about
1: it. That's it. That's all I got.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Hopefully they're on top of it. Uh, they yeah you know, make sure everybody's safe and we don't get um, crazy spreads. Um, we're seeing. Four hundred thousand cases a day in India—it's uh, just an absolute tragic mess over there. Uh, we don't want to see, you know, big blow-ups of COVID, um, and after these, you know, fun events, uh, you know, but uh, we don't want anybody put in harm's way. And um, yeah, this is no joke. Uh, we we want to stop this. We want to all stop wearing masks. We want to all return back to life of normalcy. And uh, yeah, events like this, um, yeah, it makes me a little nervous and a little worried that they're not really uh, considering the safety of people enough.
1: Yeah, because at the end of the day, this is just for recreation, right? Like we, we have to remember that this because the the pandemic, like what you what can happen from you for for others, can be a life and death situation. Yep. So we have to treat it with the respect it's due because it's serious.
0: Yeah, Yeah, well, uh, hey, man, that was great. Uh, Always a pleasure. Always a lot of fun to do this on Mondays. I'm glad we could do it uh, Monday afternoon. And uh, yeah, what is your uh, week looking like? Do you have some work scheduled uh, already or are you you sort of unsure of what's going to unfold?
1: It's clear for now. (laughs) And so what that means is that I will be a lot like yourself. I'm going to be watching some sports. Nice. I'm just going to be enjoying my time, and it's going to be fantastic. I'm yeah. really looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, well, enjoy the last week of basketball. Enjoy those games tonight. we got an hour to tip off of the first game, and then, as I said, the second game has Golden State playing. So, um, yeah, enjoy the basketball tonight. Enjoy it the last week, uh, and then we get to talk playoffs coming up uh, one week from today. I can't wait, man. That's going to be... Unreal. I'm so pumped. Uh, yeah. The, uh, the anticipation of this playoff season for me is, is really amping up cr- like crazy and uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. It's it's going to be great. It, it's,
1: it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be mesmerizing. It's going to be fantastic.
0: Okay, man. Well, cool. Uh, appreciate it as always and uh, keep in touch. We'll, uh, we'll talk really soon. Oh yeah.
1: You betcha, man. That's for now. Have a great day. You too.
0: Cheers. Take care, man. Bye for now. Okay. Uh, that was fun. That was great. Um, yeah, we uh, touched on a lot of subjects there. Uh, we sort of did things in a little bit reverse. Uh, usually we start with UFC and then talk about uh, basketball, football, that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, NBA took over precedence today and uh, some NFL talk, and then we get to touch on the UFC, um yeah, a little bit of a depleted card this past week. Uh, UFC 262 really is shaping up to be something super fun. I think we're going to try to do a uh, three-person podcast next week. We're going to try to have Scott Holborn and Jason Cameron on at the same time and have a heated debates and uh, lots of great uh, subjects to talk about. Uh, I hope you um, yeah can tune in for that and uh, yeah we're really on the cusp of launching our complete media network it's going to feature so many other industries and genres Uh, please tune in for that Uh, we're going to have a big launch very soon we're going to have music guests we're going to have people from the movie industry we're going to have comedians we're going to have people talking about family uh, and many other topics and subjects so um yeah we can't wait to launch this and uh yeah let's let's um yeah make uh, complete sports media and complete media network a part of your weekly life and uh yeah appreciate the support thanks again to the partners and sponsors thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you very soon take care love you lots bye for now